Good morning, black people. What's going on? I hope you guys are having a good day. Today, I'm going to talk about an, a former NBA star by the name of J.R. Smith. J.R. Smith just said something that really got me thinking, and I was really interested in what he had to say. I was really proud of what he had to say, and I, I have some nuances I want to break down for you. So uh, get comfortable, buckle up, sheepbelt. We're going to get started on drboystv.com right now. Here we are, clan the isms, cataclysm, great. Our people out here struggling, trying to make it in this state. Everybody out here doing it, but we the ones who late. Now, family, we the ones who gotta delegate. Get that money and the power, never be fake. Stick to co-sign for three. What did he say? Uh, create jobs, support our own. Educate the same and buy back your home. Got three degrees, triple ten. Three PhDs, now we on the CNN. DBTV, let's talk about negligence. Ignorance is bliss, but we can turn it to intelligence. Please, none of what you hear, half of what you see. Let's break it down here on Dr. Boyce TV. Hey, what's going on, everybody? I hope you guys are having a wonderful day. Welcome to DrBoyceTV.com, the home for intelligent black people. My name is Dr. Boyce Watkins, and uh, I'm still here in Philadelphia, about to head home tomorrow. I uh, can't wait to get home to see my family. But I had to stop for a minute to talk to you guys about something that I, re that I read this morning uh, about it. Uh, it was an article uh, in CNBC making it about an, um, a former NBA star by the name of J.R. Smith. <clears throat> now, J.R. Smith, uh, you probably know him. If you're a sports fan, you probably know his name. If, you, if you're not, then I'll tell you a little bit more about him. But uh, he said something that was really interesting. My wife sent this article to me uh, today, James and Karen and Jermaine. And uh, in the article, he basically says that he regrets his old spending habits. He says, quote, I could have fed my whole community 10 times over. I thought that was such a powerful statement. My wife sent it to me and I and uh, it's not that often that you hear uh, NBA players even mention the black community. It's real fascinating. Everybody gets a whole lot of their uh, opportunities from black people. Uh, the world gets its talent from black people. The world makes trillions of dollars from black people. But very rarely do people actually acknowledge black people and acknowledge the black community in a meaningful way. I mean, sure, they might acknowledge you when it comes to showing you how to twerk or, or showing that we know how to dribble a basketball and throw a football. But the, the, the acknowledgement of our scholars, uh, the acknowledgement of our attorneys, the acknowledgement of our families, the acknowledgement of our strong mothers, the acknowledgement of our strong fathers, the acknowledgement of our well-being. Those things are kind of few and far between. And so uh, I'm going to talk about this a little bit, uh, you know, and, and I want to make sure it's 100 percent clear that this is not in any way a diss track toward J.R. Smith. In fact, it's the exact opposite. I'm actually very proud of him for making the statement. And I'm going to give you some theories that come to mind in terms of that, why I think uh, he, he he made this move to, to suddenly become publicly black. He's probably always been privately black, but a lot of times people don't want to be black out loud and black in public. So anyway, give me a give me a yes or no of, to just start. How many of you know who J.R. Smith is. Give me a yes or no in the chat if you've heard of J.R. Smith, if you know who J.R. Smith is, if you've seen him ever before in basketball, if you follow him on any level. Give me a yes or no in the chat if you're if you've ever seen this guy. Uh, he's 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 not a bad player. Um, he's um <clears throat> he he was good. He had a long NBA career. He made about ninety million dollars, and uh, they don't pay that kind of money to, for you know for you to be a scrub. Uh, he uh, was actually he came right out of high school. I think he got drafted by the New Orleans Pelicans in 2004, if I'm not mistaken. And uh, and he's good. You know, he's he's uh, you know Le LeBron likes him, and and I think he brought him to the Lakers and everything. So, J.R. Smith has had a good long career. And uh, and so you know I'm 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 gonna tell you when I first uh, read the article, part of me I'm gonna tell you first of my my first reaction the 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 frustrated part of me. Uh, really kind of felt like this. Anybody remember this picture? Give me a yes or no if you remember this picture. If you remember this picture, you know what I'm talking about. 
I felt like LeBron felt when Jr. realized in the NBA Finals that there was that there was um that there was no more time on the clock, and he thought that he had more time, or he thought that we were up by one or something like that. I think he got the score wrong in the time. I think he knew how much time there was, but I think he got the score wrong. But I felt like LeBron, where I said, you know, I sort of felt like, okay, it's great that you realize your mistake now, but why didn't you? do it right the first time, right? Why did you realize this the first time? That's the frustrated side of me. That's the side of me that got a little bit pissed off because I've just seen it so many times. I've seen so many guys go to the NBA, get surrounded by white folks, start acting a goddamn fool. And then 15, 20 years later, they're looking back and they're speaking, you know, they're, they're, they're speaking much more wisely about the hundred million dollars that they wasted. Uh, Antoine Walker is a good example of that. Uh, I was in uh, in school at the University of Kentucky when Antoine was there, and uh, I'm just gonna tell you the truth. It, it was it was not an unknown secret that Antoine had trouble, a lot of trouble reading and writing and doing basic things. Uh, I knew a guy who was on the academic committee or something where they would, uh, I guess, they would investigate you if you get caught uh, cheating on a test or something like that. And they and he told me some things that really disturbed me about where Antoine was. So I knew even as a young man. I said, this guy's not going to have a good future, especially financially. At that time, I was teaching math at the University of Kentucky, and I was getting my Ph.D. in finance eventually. And I remember just thinking, man, these brothers have no idea how much power they have. They have no idea how much money they're going to have. They have no idea what they what impact they could have on the black community if they were to be able to focus. But instead, uh, you know, they do a Jackie Robinson on our community. This is what your integration got you. They do a Jackie Robinson on the black community. They, they don't come to the hood. They, they treat the whole black community the way the Kardashians do. The Kardashians, they love black men. People say, oh, the Kardashians love black men. Actually, that's actually an incorrect statement. The Kardashians do not love black men. The Kardashians love wealthy black men. The Kardashians love talented black men. The Kardashians love famous black men. So the, the same thing is true with the NBA or any of these other entities that they want. They, they don't want to integrate all of you. They want to integrate the very best of you. They want to come through the hood and cherry pick the most talented people and pull you out of your element, pull you out of your space where you could be lifting up the whole hood. You could be lifting up the whole community. You could be carrying the team to the next level. But instead, you get traded to team white people and your other team still struggling. While you over here playing with these people that don't even know you didn't didn't get give give a damn about you back when nobody knew who you were. Now that they now that you're a big deal, they all want to be around you. Becky wants to marry you. They invite you to, to nice parties. The Harvard educated attorney who would probably cross the street if he saw your big black ass walking down the block. Suddenly he wants to be your bud. He wants to be your dude, man. Right. Right. Yeah, dude. You know, and, and we fall into that, you know, and, and, and so uh, so ultimately what happens is you have to understand this. A lot of the reason the black community, think about this, the black community, give me a yes or no if you agree with me, that black people have you know, a, a disproportionate amount of talent. Give me a yes or no. Have you seen, have you been watching the world championships and watching those sisters killing it? Those Jama- the, the Jamaican women, even black people around the world are killing it. Uh, watching the black men sweeping the, the 100 meters and, and the, or the 200 meters and all these other things, right? We have, give me a yes or no if you understand how much talent we have. So we've got all this talent, all this ability, we work very, very hard. We People make so much wealth from us. If that's the case, then why in the hell is your community the most impoverished community out here? It don't make no damn sense that you got the best of everything, but yet you end up with the worst of everything. That makes zero sense at all. And I'm going to tell you why it happens. It happens because you, you lose that ability to protect what you got. You don't protect what you own. 
why in the hell is it that we got the best damn athletes on the planet and our HBCUs can't even pay the bills? Because you don't protect nothing. You don't know how to protect it. You know, and also, you got to protect it psychologically. So the brainwashing process, which starts really when you start going to that public school when you're a kid, and then you turn on the TV and you start absorbing media, and then you start turning on the radio, and it tells you that when you get your NBA contract, you're supposed to go to the club every Friday and put your, put $100,000 in the stripper thong. Right. Seriously, that and that's what Jr. references here. And I, I'm very happy that he brought it out here in more of a, a mainstream conversation, because this is something, you, you know, if you've been on this platform, you know, we've been talking about this for years. Why in the world? Think about this. When you make one hundred million dollars in the NBA, you have more money than most corporations do. A corporation has to have thousands of employees to make that kind of money. You're, you have that much money as one person. What in the hell makes you think you're supposed to blow all that money on fur coat sneakers and stripper thongs? You know, think, I mean, look at we probably throw away hundreds of billions of dollars in economic potential, at least maybe trillions worth. If you just add up all the NBA and NFL players who made all this money and threw it all away, who told you that the first thing you're supposed to do when you get a big chunk of money is go buy you a Gucci bag? Who told you that you're supposed to make Bernard Arnault, the owner of Louis Vuitton and um, and, 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 and all these um, liquor brands that you're supposed to make him rich, but not make your own people rich? Who told you that you're supposed to go down to Jake the Jeweler's old raggedy ass and go buy jewelry off of him paying $100,000 for a chain? What the hell? What, what does that do for your grandmama? What does that do for your community? What does that do for the people that lifted you up, that took care of your little ass when nobody gave a damn about who you were, when Jake the Jeweler wasn't looking for you, when you were in the hood, raggedy, dusty, just sitting in a diaper in, in, in the projects. Wasn't nobody looking after you except for your mama and hopefully your daddy. And if it wasn't your daddy, there was probably some real men in the neighborhood that did look out for you. At the very least, it started with that basketball football coach who took you under his arm and taught you a little bit about manhood. He obviously didn't teach you enough, though, because you got into this situation where you got all this money, all this power, and you don't know how to use it in a way that elevates everybody else. Now, and here's the thing. So in case you just got in here, I want to let you guys know you're watching um, the, you're watching Dr. Boyce TV. Uh, my podcast is called The Dr. Boyce Breakdown. You can actually find it on Spotify. So if you go to Spotify and search for The Dr. Boyce Breakdown, you can find it there. Also, if you can hit the thumbs up button, thumbs up, thumbs up, thumbs up, share, subscribe. Also, the Blackwell Summit's happening in Detroit, July 29th through the 31st. I'll be there with Herb Strather and Gary Shelton, two black men that you probably don't know about who've done over a billion dollars in business deals. And so if you'd like to join all of us there, Dr. Claude Anderson will participate. A lot of people are going to be there. Uh, Dr. Ken Harris, all these great people. Uh, these are the brothers that you should know about. These are the black men that can teach you how to get wealthy and how to make moves and how to be successful and build institutions. That's what we need. So if you're interested, just go to boyswalkins.com and it's all there. So we're talking about JRC. Smith. J.R. Smith is a former NBA star who made $90 million and he did an interesting, a very, I'm very proud of him actually for uh, making these statements. He was on a podcast. I got I'll read the, I'll read all this in a second. The I am an athlete podcast by hosted by NFL player, Brandon Marshall. And uh, basically he was saying that he could have fed the whole hood with all the money that he made. And, uh, and I completely agree with that. Um, I really think that what we have to do is as black people, we will not be able to progress until the majority of us, or at least those of us in a leadership position, take the time to critically analyze what's influencing our culture. I saw the BET Awards and they kept saying in their ad, for the culture, for the culture, for the culture. Let me tell you about this, how dangerous that statement is. That's a very dangerous statement. Why is it dangerous? Well, because the people who are saying this is for your culture are not even your people. 
You can't like I can't go do a show and, and tell Jewish people this is for your culture. This is what Jewish culture is. They, they would not allow me to do that. They would not allow a black man to pay attention now. They would not allow Byron Allen to do uh, to, to own the Jewish television network and say, this is for the culture. This is your culture. But they, but black folks, we think that's okay because we got Negroes on TV making money. We got rappers making a couple of dollars. We got a couple of athletes making money. The community's struggling, but as long as we got these people up here shining, we think that's okay. No, you don't let nobody tell you what your culture is supposed to be, because if you go and you check out the, the, this culture, you know that a lot of people imitate what they see artists doing. They they see in these videos. They see guys with luxury cars. They see guys with, with jewels and chains, uh, tattoos from head to toe. If you look at J.R. Smith's um, picture, you'll see he's got tattoos all the way up and down, right? Now, just pay attention now. That wasn't going on, like, say, 25 years ago. That really didn't happen until they started putting it in the music and in the media. Then you start seeing your favorite rapper. He's got tattoos from, from head to toe. So you think you're supposed to look like that, too. We imitate what we see in the media. The studies show, every scientific study known to man shows that black people are more influenced by media and celebrities than any other group of people. So the question that I asked myself was when I see here, J.R. Smith make this confession, which I'm very happy he did it. I really am. I'm very proud of him actually um, about how he wasted $90 million pretty much. And he could have done a lot more for his community. The question you must ask is who told you that that was what you were supposed to do with your money? Where did you learn that from? Well, you learned it from this fake culture that you see in the media. What made you think, like it's not, it's not real. It's not real. I mean, it's natural for men to like beautiful women. I mean, we all like, you know, curvy, shapely, beautiful black women. But it ain't really natural to really feel like you have to go to the strip club and and throw and throw money around. Like, like I'm, I just that's not the first thought I had when I when I saw, you know, when I saw when I met my beautiful wife and I, you know, I, and I was, I'm checking out her sexy body. I wasn't thinking like, okay, I need to be in a strip club, throw making it rain on some lady I don't even know. It just didn't even occur to me. Right. But if you go to certain places where the strip club culture is big, like Atlanta, for example, then you start to see everybody doing it. So a lot of guys do it because they just see everybody else doing it. These are men. Unfortunately, these are men and women who don't really know who they are. Right. You, You know, if you're following the crowd, you're spending more time trying to fit in than you are trying to be who you really want to be. And actually, what's really fascinating is that in this article, J.R. Smith talks about that. He talks about how <clears throat> he wanted to have the fanciest clothes and the coolest of everything, but he felt like something was missing. Well, something the thing that was missing was you. The thing that was missing was your soul. The thing that was missing was, was that you had a void in your very being that existed because even you knew back at that moment, instinctually, you knew this was all bullshit. You knew this was all a bunch of crap somebody put into your head that you were just going through the motions. Pay attention now. Pay attention. Listen now. There's a difference between a person having understanding and purpose and moving with intentionality. That person is filled up. You're filled up with all the spirit and energy that's guiding you to, to, to do whatever it is you're supposed to do. That's different from somebody who's just doing what they're told or following the crowd. A person who's following the crowd or doing what they're told or or doing what everybody else is doing, you're, you're a puppet. You're a zombie. Zombies are empty. Zombies have no soul. Zombies have no sense of purpose. Zombies are just doing it because that's just what they're programmed to do. So unfortunately, in your community, one of the challenges that you have to confront is that media is designed to turn you into zombies. I could really actually get neuroscientific with it. 
the prefrontal cortex in your brain is actually the part of your brain that's responsible for logical and critical thinking. Excessive consumption of media actually minimizes the ability of the prefrontal cortex to teach you to make critical thinking decisions. So instead, you start just moving on autopilot. Zombie. We get turned into zombies. So so this is what I see. You know, so I see what I see with J.R. Smith, which which makes me very happy for him. And I hope that he shares this message with as many people as possible, is that he is a zombie that woke up. He's a guy that was sleepwalking for a long time. And now he's reflecting like, man, look at all these things that I did while I was sleepwalking. And I love it. I love it because here's the thing. you If you're going to really be black in a world that is so anti-black. If you're really trying to help your people in a world where where nobody else does, if you're really trying to be really woke when when everybody else is asleep pretending to be woke, you really have to be focused. Like you really have to have a sense of purpose. You really have to be filled up with something that guides you in that. You have to be intentional about it. You, you're never going to be black and powerful on accident. You're never going to be black and powerful by going through the motions because this society is not designed to create powerful black men. It's designed to create little boys who think that they're men uh, because they're on TV or they have a little bit of money, but really then or they can make a baby. But really, they're not men because a real man is a man whose first thought is to protect his community. Masculinity is not toxic. Masculinity is not about getting hoes. Masculinity is not about making it rain in the strip club. Masculinity is not about throwing up the money. Masculinity is about protecting something, protecting something in basketball. Guys like <clears throat> like J.R. Smith understand when you playing in the championship game and you're in your home court. What do they say? They say we're going to protect our house. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Give me a yes if you're following what I'm saying here. When you play sports, I play sports. I played a lot of sports. When you are playing on your home court, what do you do? You say we're going to protect this house. This is our house. Right now, your house is full of white people who can afford the tickets because the people that they really love you can't can't actually come to the game. Right. Black folks can't buy those tickets. You're playing in front of an audience full of white people. And that's fine. We love we, we don't hate you for that. But that's what it is. And <clears throat> and so they, they say we're going to protect this house. Well, your number one team is team black people. Your house is your hood. Your hood is your house. So the question I want to ask you is if you're supposed to be this big, strong, powerful man. And, and I've helped you understand that masculinity is protective. Then who the hell is protecting your house? Who's the, why in the hell are you letting people come up in your house and take over and run all the businesses? Why are you letting people come into your house and set up the communities where black men are getting shot every day? Why are you letting people come up in your house and molesting and raping little girls that you're supposed to protect? Who, why, are people, why are you not protecting your house? And that's what I would ask any black man <clears throat> who has this. And Jr., I'm gonna tell you what what made me really happy that Jr. Smith did this interview, since he even alludes to Eurocentric thinking. He says it's Eurocentric thinking that teaches us I'm about me and mine, and I'm and I and me, and I'm gonna take care of me, and that's it. And so, so ultimately, uh, it looks like it looks like the, uh, my camera got lost. So I'm I'm just gonna keep on uh, doing audio. Give me a yes or no in the chat if you all can hear me okay, because for some reason my uh, my camera went out, so um, I don't know why, and I'm not going to try to fix it. I'm just going to keep on talking. Give me a yes in the chat <clears throat> if you're still able to hear me. I'm going to try to turn it back on, see if it works. It, 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 it looks okay. Wait, wait. Maybe it is working. Okay. Give me a second, guys. My apologies. Sorry for the interruption. So so here, here's the deal. Uh, so I'm going to read some of this to you. Uh, do me a favor. Hit the thumbs up button. Thumbs up, thumbs up, share, subscribe. 
Also, if um, if you have an interest in stock options, uh, we've had a lot of fun talking about stock options a lot in the Black Business School. Um, I actually have a, a little free training on, on five ways that stock options can actually supercharge your income and help you become a better investor. If you'd like to take a look, just go to drboyceoptions.com. The URL is on the screen. All right. <clears throat> so here's what the article says. It says, for years, uh, two-time NBA champion J.R. Smith spent money with abandon. He frequented clubs, dropped large amounts of cash on clothes, and used the $90 million he made in salary over 16 NBA seasons to pay fines levied by his teams or the league. Now the former shooting guard says he wishes he'd spent more giving back to his community, and he's advising young people to learn from his mistakes. Quote, I could have fed my whole community 10 times over with the money I was just paying in fines for being late on the bus, Smith, 36, said in a February episode of I Am an Athlete, a podcast hosted by former NFL player Brandon Marshall. One of the one of Smith's biggest regrets, he said, was spending tens of thousands of dollars at clubs when he could have used at least some of that money philanthropically. Quote, you know, you know how many people you can change their lifestyle with $10 million in our hood, Smith said. We'd rather go throw $60,000 in the strip club than go feed 2,500 people in the hood. Smith grew up in Lakewood, New Jersey, a small blue-collar community about an hour from Philly in New York. He went straight from high school to the NBA after being drafted by the uh, New Orleans Pelicans in 2004. For years, he said he dwelled on maintaining an image through, quote, designer jackets, jeans, and book bags, end quote. None of it left him feeling personally fulfilled, he added, which didn't occur to him until after he won his second NBA championship with the Los Angeles Lakers in 2020. So that whole idea of not feeling fulfilled, that's the thing. There, there's a million studies. You, you guys know, just to remind anybody who's new, you you guys know my background is money. Like I, I study money as a science, I, the financial psychology, all of that. And one of the things about money is there's always this debate, like, can money bring you happiness? Can money bring you happiness? Money by itself doesn't usually bring happiness. However, being broke can bring unhappiness, right? So money can help you uh, avoid a type of unhappiness for, that comes from being broke. Y'all know the struggle. How many of y'all grew up poor? How many of y'all grew up broke? How many of y'all grew up eating bologna sandwiches with no bologna? If you are in that category, raise your hand. I, I We had some struggles as a kid. I remember like I remember seeing roaches around the house, and roaches never bothered me because they were kind of all over the place. But, but you know, so the point is that uh, that, that money can avoid the pain of being unhappy, but that does not mean money is going to give you happiness and fulfillment. After you have avoided one type of pain, the question is, have you actually fulfilled yourself? And the, the truth is most of these studies show that if you are running around just trying to dope yourself up with materialism, eventually, just like any other type of dope, it wears off. Like literally it's called dopamine. Dopamine in your brain is what you receive when you go spend money on a new Lamborghini. And when the dopamine is what you get when you go make it rain in the strip club. Dopamine is what you get when you go buy another house or buy another pair of shoes, right? That's what they call a retail therapy, right? We, we get that dopamine rush from spending money, right? But eventually, like any other dope, you become immune to the dope. It doesn't work anymore. So you start saying, gosh, I want to find happiness, but I don't know where to find it because I already bought all the cars. I already have all the girls. I already have all the money. I'm already, I've already taken eight vacations this year. And then you end up depressed. Then you end up depressed. Question, I'm going to ask you, why do you think Deion Sanders was at the peak of his career, making all the money in the world? I mean, if you've ever seen Deion play back when he was with the Cowboys and the Falcons, he was a bad boy. Deion, best defensive back I've ever seen in my life. Had all the money, all the women, all the everything. But he said he was suicidal. He said he was really depressed. So a person who doesn't have those things might look at that and say, man, how could you how could you have everything and be depressed? Well, because 
somebody told him an incorrect definition of what it means to have it all. Somebody told him that having it all means having all the money and all the girls and all the fame. <laughs> but they didn't tell him that actually having it all means filling up your soul. You got to fill up your soul. with. with you got to have a sense of purpose. If you're a man who has no sense of purpose and you got all this money and all this free time and all this access and women, and everything, you know what you're going to do? You're just going to dope yourself up into oblivion. You're going to do like you're going to do exactly what a drug addict does. And you're going to go out from an overdose because you're going to end up doing things to yourself and your body that are going to wreck you because every, just like any other type of dope, once you get immune to it, it takes more and more for you to feel fulfilled. So next thing you know, you end up with you know, one woman ain't enough. And then you got to have two, then three, then five, then 10. And then one car ain't enough. You got to have 15 cars. Next thing you know, you're broke. You got every disease in the book, every STD known to man. Uh, and your, your, your soul is empty and your life is a complete mess. This is how this happens all the time. So a man must have a sense of purpose in order to feel like a man. The question is, what is your purpose and who's protecting your house? Children, women, community, give a man his sense of purpose. That's what fills up your soul. I don't feel good just because I'm a man who has done well in my life and made some money and, and achieved some goals. That's nice. But you know what really fills me up? is knowing that I've got a wife and children who are going to benefit dramatically from the success that I have. I have a community that is going to be, that's thinking on the next level financially because I took my PhD and just, just poured it out, just dump, just did brain dumps on y'all for the last 10, 12, 13 years. That fills me up. That lets me know I could die tomorrow and I'm going to die with a smile on my face because I know that I poured into you. I know that you're going to be better off because we've been communicating like this, right? So I want NBA players and NFL stars and everything else to understand that before you join the Lakers, before you join the Cowboys, before you join the Philadelphia Eagles, before you join the Boston Celtics, your original team was team black people. That was the team that held you up and held you down when it, when when you needed it. They, they were the ones who got you to where you are. They were the ones who gave you everything. Your black mother gave you life. Your black fathers in the community were the men who protected you and supported you and taught you. That should be your number one tip top priority. That's what black first means. That, that means that, that I don't care how many people love you now that you're famous and you're rich and you got all this money. Those people will drop you like a bad habit the minute you go broke. But when you go broke, the only people that will accept you again are those same people in the beginning that you wanted to forget about. So anyway, let me keep reading here. I'm going to read a little bit more and then, then we can bounce out. So he says, I felt like I had everything. He said, but I still wasn't whole with me because I knew there was something missing. Remember, I mentioned that earlier. He says, after retiring from the NBA last, uh, later that year, he started studying liberal arts at North Carolina A&T, the largest HBCU in, in the country. He competes on the golf school's golf team and said on the podcast he wanted to attend an HBCU because his new, he knew his money would go toward improving education for black students. Quote, athletes make make their millions, they make their schools millions and millions over again. And the fifty thousand dollars that they donate back changes nothing. So the fifty thousand, I guess, uh, so athletes make oh, oh, I get it. Okay, so he says, um uh oh, the the money they donate back to the school. Okay, got it. Uh, let's see here. He said, noting that many uh, universities put that money toward on-campus construction projects, but the fifty to a hundred thousand you give to HBCUs, it changes lives. And this was actually an issue that a lot of us took with Dr. Dre a few years ago. If y'all remember, does anybody remember? Give me a yes or no if you remember when Dr. Dre made that massive investment to USC. 
Does anybody remember that? Give me a yes or no in the chat if you remember that. Dr. Dre, I think he joined with Jimmy Iovine, some white guy in the music industry that I don't care about. He um, gave they they got together and they gave an, a ridiculous amount of money um, to USC. Let me let me Google that. I'm gonna see how much the amount was. How much did Dr. Dre give USC? Uh, let me see here. He gave seventy million. So uh, yeah, I guess they gave seventy million together. And uh, there was a president, an HBCU president, Xavier um, Kimbrough, uh, Walter Kimbrough. I think that's his name. Uh, and I've known him for a long time. I just couldn't bring his name back to my mind, who uh, basically said that this 70 million dollars that you gave USC, that's nothing for them. Like they literally would spend that money in about two or three weeks. But if you give that money to an HBCU, they can educate thousands and thousands and thousands of black students with that money. And so, and here's the thing, why am I, you know, the big mouth radical man for simply saying, like, what are you thinking about? Like, why wouldn't you give that money to a place where you're going to have impact? Why, why must, what, why must success, so-called success mean that you have to put black people at the bottom of your priority list? Like, what does that, where does that come from? You know, I mean, I, I when you think about a guy like a Dr. Dre, I mean, let's just keep it 100, let's be 100% clear. He built everything that he has on the backs of black people. You took all your experiences in a black community called Compton and you mass marketed it to the entire world where now you get to go stand on stages all around the globe and call yourself a nigga in front of 100,000 white people. And they cheer you on when you, you get up there and you rap and you say, die, nigga, die. They cheer even louder. You that if that does not disturb you, I don't know what does. I just you know, don't get me wrong. I mean, I'm cool with Ice Cube and everything, but y'all gotta admit that that's a little bit weird. That's a little bit weird. And and so the the, the truth of the matter is that you built all this off of black people in the black community. So the black community should be the first place that you pay a tax for using our brand, taking our brand, taking our culture, taking our swag, and marketing it all around the world, making all this money. And you got to understand, black people, that this is what every other culture does. Like the Jewish community ain't going to allow you to get away with that. The Jewish community is going to come get you for that. The Asian community, they're going to come get you for that. The Arab community, they're going to come get you for that. But for us, we have this mindset where it's okay for to take care of the individual and abandon the whole community. If Jay-Z is such a boss, which I, I'm not saying that he's not, but if Jay-Z is such a boss, I should be able to go to the Marcy Projects and find 10,000 people that now have jobs and economic opportunity, a, a tremendous economic possibility, life-changing economic possibility that has resulted from business ventures that conducted by Jay-Z in that community. I don't see that. I saw, I think I saw he was doing a, he, he was partnering with somebody to teach a class on Bitcoin or something. And, and the, the flyers were like on the floor or something. So, 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 so at the end of the day, you, you've got to let go of this Eurocentric mentality. This is, this explains to you why you can have all this symbolic success, but the whole community isn't moving forward. It's because nobody's taking care of the community. Nobody's really looking back. And the other thing I would add to JR's statement here is this. I like, I, I just let's just be clear. I love what JR Smith said here. In fact, let me read something he said, then I'm going to give a little add-on here, Dr. Boyce add-on to kind of um, encourage any guys or and women that get what I'm saying, that, get, that understand this conversation. Everybody ain't going to get it. You know, I know this. I, I believe me, I've been doing this stuff for a long time. Every time you every time you challenge wealthy black people to do better, there's always somebody in the comments saying, "Why well, you get get your hand out there in man pocket? 
Why are you talking about that nigga money? Why are you trying to get in the way of black men getting money? Right? Just stupid stuff, right? Just whatever, right? So people that think that way, they can keep thinking that way. I'm really talking to people who understand that you can get your money, you can take care of yourself, you can do well, but you can also take care of others at the same time. It doesn't have to be mutually exclusive. So one thing that JR says here is he says, we're so trained, so embedded to have that Eurocentric mindset to worry about myself, worry about me, worry about mine. When you make over $100 million in your career, is giving 5 or $10 million going to change your lifestyle? And the answer is absolutely not. Thank you, J.R. Smith, for making this comment. And uh, again, I want to make it 100% clear. I'm very happy he said this. I hope he spends the rest of his career talking to these young guys and getting them to shift their behavior before it's too late. One thing I want to add in here is this. Give me a yes or no if you've ever heard this statement, that if you give a man a fish, you do you do what? Finish the statement for me. If you give a man a fish, you feed him for a day. If you teach him how to fish, you feed him for a lifetime. Anybody, you've heard that statement, right? Everybody's heard that? Okay. All right. So that's true, right? If I if I teach you how to fish, then I have helped you to uh, level up your skill set and modify your behavior so that you will be able to fish for the rest of your life. That's that's very important, very valuable. And I love the idea that JR is talking about giving people fish. And I think that's great. And it sounds like he's also talking about teaching people how to fish. He, he wants to go in. And, I, and, and you know, I, I hope that there are people that give him spaces where he can go in and talk to all the young players about things they can do together in the community. They can they can do billion dollar projects together that would do that will make massive change in the community and they can still be rich. And if all I care, they can take the rest of their money and throw it in stripper thongs or whatever they do. I'm not here to judge any of that. But there's another level to that. There's give a man a fish feed him for a day, teach a man a fish, how to fish, uh, feed him for a lifetime. Then there's the next level. The question that you want to really start asking as black people is, well, who owns the pond where all the fishing is taking place? Everybody's teaching each other how to fish. Who owns this land that the pond is on? Uh, because who the owner of that land is going to charge you rent or, or some sort of fee to use his pond to go over and teach each other how to fish. So what my point that I'm making here, black people, is that ownership is the key to power in this country. If if JR really wants to make a difference in the community that he wants to make, the idea of giving away, taking your salary and doing charity for the community, that's a good first step. But charity should lead to something sustainable because charity is not a sustainable business model. Does anybody know, take, let me give you an example. Does anybody have like relatives that always like borrow money constantly and then they never pay it back? Like they always have a financial problem. And and because you're doing well, you went to college or maybe you went to law school. So you got a little, you're making a hundred thousand a year. So you're always coming through for other people constantly, kind of like that lady on Soul Food who was always bailing out the family. Right. Well, that's a problem because charity is not a sustainable business model because what happens is the family always remains dependent on that person. And the person who's doing the charity gets drained. You run out of money. I'm going to tell you the truth. I believe Antoine Walker didn't go broke just because he spent his money kind of like a knucklehead. I'm not going to say he wasn't. But also, I'm willing to bet you that he could probably name a list of 50 or 100 people that he constantly bailed out financially all throughout his career. Oh, I bought so-and-so a car. I helped, I paid so-and-so's rent for five years. Right. I, you know that, that it never stops. Every NBA player is hit by all these charity cases to the point where you don't even want to pick up the phone anymore. Right. And, and so so here's the deal. Um, 
LeBron has it right because LeBron didn't just do some charity for his friends. He also put his friends in position to learn so they can actually help him. He sent his friends to school to learn how to do the job that he needed them to do for him. Rich Paul, he didn't just show him uh, the ropes and give him opportunities. Rich Paul is now an entity within himself. Rich Paul is a powerful friend that could actually prop up LeBron if LeBron ever had any problems. That's the model that you want. The answer for the black community economically is not philanthropy only. That's a part of it. That's very important to, you know, to have that. But, but philanthropy is mostly for people, uh, for women and children and people or, or, or anybody who is maybe disabled or, or struggling. Right. And, and, and it's not going to get out of the struggle. It should either be temporary. And the only time it should be permanent is if somebody is, is disabled or something like that. The black man is not disabled. Typically, the black man is very powerful, very capable. And so uh, your goal at, at that point shouldn't just be to do charity for somebody. Your goal should actually be to teach them and to empower them. So what the black community needs is not just a lot of knowledge, but also a lot of investment, authentic investment. So if you are an NBA star and you get together with 10 of your friends and you form a fund with $200 million and you just start investing, giving a million dollars a piece to black businesses that you think are going to really make a difference in the world. And then you take a piece of equity in those companies or you release it as debt or you form a, a, something that functions almost like a bank for the community. Then what happens is that you're not just elevating the hood. The hood is elevating you. Do you understand what I'm saying? Do you get what I'm saying? So don't just give to each other. I want you to invest in each other. I want you to teach each other. I want you to help each other grow. Because, uh, you know, the guys like J.R. Smith, the unfortunate reality they must deal with is that we worship celebrities. We worship athletes. We look at them like superheroes that can do anything. So we'll look at a Jay-Z and expect him to single-handedly lift all of Brooklyn out of whatever economic situation certain people are in. And I don't think Jay-Z can do that. I think that you overestimate the economic power of your celebrities. In fact, a lot of these rappers are broke. A lot of them are not doing that well. However, they do have billion dollar brands. They do have tremendous amounts of power and reach. They do have access to white people's money. And in my view, if you're protecting your house, then you go in there, you sit down with Bank of America and all these corporations and you say, we're here to build wealth for our people. And, and we're going to tell you what to do. Don't come out there just carrying water for people and, and, and making money for yourself and making money for whoever your benefactor is and leaving the black community screwed. That's your problem. Black folks, we, you get the community gets drained constantly. But the question is, who's pouring into the community? All that comes down to culture. Everything's about culture. If you have a culture that leads to building and sustaining and pouring into the community, then you're going to have a great community. Great things are going to happen. But if you have a culture that teaches young people to waste their money, throw it all away, go hang out with white folks, not care about their own people, then guess what? Your community will be impoverished. Your most talented people are going to be sucked out and they're going to do a Jackie Robinson you every chance that they get and you're going to be left with nothing. So uh, that's my two cents on what J.R. Smith had to say. Uh, I think it was a great uh, interview he did. I'm very, very proud that he made that statement. I hope a lot of athletes follow suit. And I see a lot of reasons to be very optimistic. And I'm just doing my two cents by 
jumping in and supporting the brother in, in terms of what he said. So anyway, do me a favor, hit the thumbs up button, thumbs up, thumbs up, thumbs up, share, subscribe. Uh, also, uh, if you want to learn about the stuff we have going on uh, with the Black Wealth Summit in Detroit and uh, also the stock market classes every Tuesday, just go to boyswalkins.com. It's all right there. Uh, you guys have a great day. I will talk to you soon. Love you. See you later. Peace. Here we are, clan, the isms, cataclysm, great. Our people out here struggling, trying to make it in this state. Everybody out here doing it, but we the ones who late. Now, family, we the ones who got to delegate. Get that money in the power, never be fake. Stick to co-sign for three. What did he say? Uh, create jobs, support our own. Educate the same and buy back your home. Got three degrees, triple ten. Three PhDs, now we on the CNN. DBTV, let's talk about negligence. Ignorance is bliss, but we can turn into intelligence. Believe none of what you hear, half of what you see. Let's break it down here on Dr. Boyce TV. Here we are.